What's going on, guys? This is Rob Doster here. I want to let you know about our sponsors, Anchor by Spotify. If you haven't heard about them yet, it is the easiest way for you to make a podcast. I know because all of our 28 podcasts on the field of 68 and the field of 12 use Anchor by Spotify. It has the tools that will allow you to record and edit your pods right from your phone or your computer. You can distribute anywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all those places that allow you to listen to podcasts for absolutely free. Anchor sends those pods directly to the feeds. And here's the best part about it. Anchor is totally free. So make sure you download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm if you want to get started on your own podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Doster and Deshaun podcast. It is Sunday night, March 7th. We are exactly seven days away from having a bracket. The next time that you guys are listening to us at this time, during this recording, we are going to be talking about an actual real live 6018 bracket. I am fired up for it. Uh, March officially started this week. You know, we got to get some conference tournament games. We got some automatic bids. We had some teams playing their way in on the bubble. Michigan State, some teams may be playing their way off the bubble. Maryland, uh, we have a West Virginia game that we're going to have to talk about. I'm going to have to force Deshaun to talk about. Uh, But before we get into all of that, let me introduce my co-host, the one and only Deshaun Butler, former West Virginia All-American, current co-host of the Dawson and Deshaun podcast. Dave, what's going on, man? How you doing? Uh, I'm good, bro. Nothing much. Just uh, tons of family time today on this Sunday. So that's probably the most time I've gotten a chance to spend at home and a couple of weeks, so I, I enjoyed it. Watched some good basketball. Yeah, it was. Uh, kids. I actually, I, I didn't get a chance to watch as much as I wanted. Like I had the the, the TVs on and everything. Yeah, but my, my daughter turned two uh, today, so we oh, had. Oh, congratulations! A, congratulations! A party thing. I ate a bunch of cake. I made these big ass burgers. I call them Mondo <laughs> burgers. So we uh, we we had a little bit of a like a socially distanced kind of uh, celebration thing. Her her grandparents um, both got their shots. Okay. So they're all vaccinated. So they were able to come over to the house. My wife. Oh, got there we go. That's like, dope. Almost done. I'm so far down the list on Jersey for when I'm going to get <laughs> a shot. I need this Johnson and Johnson one to come through. Cause right now it's like, if you're not a frontline worker, if you're not 65 or older, if you don't have asthma or you're not a chronic smoker or you're not a teacher, then it's basically like, don't, don't even bother trying. You're wasting your time. Like you ain't, you ain't getting it. So I'm gonna need this Johnson Johnson one shot deal to come through, so I might be able to get myself vaccinated at some point yeah, in my life. Make sure I pass the test and make sure you pass the test, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, all right, so we got quite a bit to get through today. We're definitely going to talk about Michigan State beating Michigan. We got to touch on Maryland's loss and, and <laughs> how embarrassing that was for them. Um, and of course, we got Oklahoma State's win at West Virginia. We got to talk about Io and Illinois. Uh, you know, I'm gonna turn in a uh, UConn reference at some point. And then we're going to give you our All-American teams, our Player of the Year, our postseason awards. We're going to do all that fun stuff. Uh, but before we do, I just wanted to open the floor for you, Deshaun. You have a little bit different perspective, obviously, of the Greg McDermott situation and, and what happened there than I do. And, and I just wanted to give you a chance to say your piece, say what you had to say, and then we can kind of move on from there. Um, honestly, there's some things you just don't need to say, period, and concerning the uh, the Greg McDermott thing. Uh, I saw a statement that his assistant, his, one of his assistants put out. Obviously, he wasn't uh, for what was said, and a ton of the players weren't as well. But the players seemed to be, like, you know, more forward-thinking and making sure they can keep the team together so they can, you know, finish out the year the right way, which is great. I salute the players and the staff. And just to leave it at this note, like, sometimes you do a better job just, like, coaching the basketball game and – and taking care of your players, make sh- making sure your players are doing the right thing rather than uh, trying to be a philosopher and uh, try to make things sound good to motivate your guys. Like you just be better off just coaching. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I'll leave it at that. Yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, that's really just kind of sums it up. You know, the, uh, just the, the big thing is I, I hope that they can all end up on the same page. My understanding is there's a little bit, uh, of a, uh, maybe a fracture is the wrong word, but it's just awkwardness um, now. It's like just it's awkward. awkwardness, and it's also like not every play. Like we saw Marcus Zagorowski come out and make a statement on Saturday um, that basically supported Greg McDermott. 
Uh, but my understanding is that not every player on the roster has the same opinion uh, and necessarily totally agrees with Zegarowski, which is understandable when you have 12 or 15 people in a locker room, not everyone is yeah. always going to believe the same thing. There are certain going to be individuals that have uh, believe one thing. It just, it's um, it, it kind of is what it is. So my only hope is that they find a way to, to get through this and, and just kind of play well. Right. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, like that's what you want for these student athletes. You know, they, it's been a hell of a season. It's been brutal. They've had to isolate. They've had to do all these different things. They didn't get March last year. I just like, it, it sucks if this would ruin their March for this season. So I really hope that Greg McDermott saying something really, really stupid is not the kind of thing that's going to uh, ruin what should be the best time of the season. Especially now looking at the big East where it's like wide open, especially with the, uh, with the Villanova scenario with uh, Gillespie, like, Yep. And then the timing of this, it just leaves the the conference even more open for you in the uh, conference tournament. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. All right, let's move on because that's I don't know. I, I don't I don't really want to dive into that. We me and good talk about that plenty on the uh, the morning live streams that we do. So, um, all right. So we're, we're definitely going to talk about the stuff that happened on Saturday. Um, we have to get into all of that. There was a lot that happened and a lot that we have to break down. But before we do, I do want to dive in a little bit to this Michigan State Michigan game. Um, how, how worried are you about Michigan at this point? They've now lost two of their last three. They didn't look great, or I'm sorry, two of the last four. They didn't look great in any of them. Um, they've, they've all of that, that, uh, momentum they had coming off of the pause, um, seems like it kind of has gone away a little bit at the same time. You know, they played three games in six days, two straight games against the same opponent. One of the, that opponent happened to be a rivalry game. Uh, the last two weeks, Michigan State has won three games against top 10 opponents. So it's not like this was uh, necessarily the most ridiculous uh, string of occurrences. So where where do you stand on Michigan at this point? I'm still in with Michigan. Uh, at the end of the day, like watching the game, it was funny. We had the uh, talk on our, uh, on our locker room. We're talking about ways that you can stop Michigan. And I mean, they kind of made Smith and – not as much Brooks because he wasn't, uh, you know, chucking up shots, but they kind of made Smith and other guys beat them rather than letting, you know, Dinkinson and, and Franz do all of the work. They made it very difficult for those guys. And not to mention, we talked about Smith and Brooks being able to, well, more or less, we just talked about Michigan being able to stop good guards on the other end. And Rocket Watts was just the toward the end of the first half and, with his scoring and then going into the second half, obviously with his scoring and playmaking for everybody on the team, like he, he did everything, not, excuse me, not everything, not by himself. I mean, obviously he had a, he had some help, but he, he was amazing today. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing with Michigan is always going to end up being, it's always going to come down to the guard play for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And the fact that Eli Brooks put out with, I think it was an ankle injury. Did he roll? I think it was, he rolled his ankle. ankle. So, um, I mean, obviously that's going to be huge for them long-term. They don't have a ton of backcourt depth and and not having him there uh, is going to hurt. Uh, But I honestly took more away from this about Michigan than I did, or I'm sorry, about Michigan State than I did about Michigan. Look, Mm. I've kind of said it all along. I I bought into it a little bit, and I'm I'm kind of mad at myself that I went away from what my my initial sense was. But um, I do think that uh, Michigan is not quite – at the same level as, as Bear, Baylor and Gonzaga. And I know we have this argument all the time and, and whatever, but it's just – it's it's the fact that their guard play is not as good as those other teams' guards are, and they are a little bit limited up front. I keep going back to that, and I, I, I'm tired of making the same point over and over again. But to me, this had a lot more to do with what this Michigan State team can be. You know, we are, we're seeing the team that we thought was going to be a top-15 team because Aaron Henry has spent the last three weeks playing nice. like an All-American. You know, Aaron, Rocket Watts, this, what he was tonight, he had, let me make sure I got this right. He had 21 points, four boards, and four assists. That's what we thought he was going to be all season long. When they beat Illinois the other night, um, he had 15 points and five assists. Like, that's what we thought he was going to be all season long. And in the interim, in the five games, or in the four games between these two games, he had 16 points. He had one game where he went scoreless in a win against Indiana. When they got blown out yeah. um, at Maryland, he was two for seven from the floor. When they got blown out at Michigan, he was three for eight from the floor. So um, you see the good and the bad with Rocket, but you can see how good they can be when you get good Rocket Watts. And yeah. that's to me, that's kind of the frustrating part 
about watching and, and, and following this Michigan State team. I'm, I'm sure that the Spartan fans feel the same way. Um, but, you know, I, I'll leave it at this. Um, I would not want to be – I think this I think this win puts Michigan State into the NCAA tournament, regardless yeah. of what happens in the Big Ten tournament. Because they get Maryland in the first round, that's not going to be a bad loss. It's going to be a quad one opponent. So um, I think that they're in the tournament regardless of what happens. You add three top – 10 wins to your resume in the last two weeks of the season, you're going to jump a lot of people in the pecking order. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, imagine being a five seed, right? And seeing Michigan State. Yeah. yeah that's brutal. Just that absolutely sucks. brutal. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I can see them being a team that makes it. I can see them get to the second weekend. If they yeah. get good Rocket Watts and if they get – like imagine being Virginia. And the team that you draw in the first round, after you win the ACC regular season title, you get a five seed. And this team you draw in the first round of the NCAA, Michigan, is Michigan State. Tom Izzo and Michigan Tom State. Tom Izzo with Aaron <laughs> and Rocket Watts playing well. <laughs> it's rough. It's rough. This will be wrong in the afterlife. Yeah, and it could end up happening. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's – I mean – <laughs> I'm not. I'm not too worried about Michigan long term, but again, like this was that what the the things that we were talking about all season long, I think are starting to come to fruition, and and yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, young guards. I mean, the young guards like Rocket just went through basically any type of tri- like they started out the season hot and then got extremely cold, and just seeing him be able to bounce back toward the end of the season where it matters most is very important for Michigan State. So yeah, and and look, and to put it into context. Um, I think it's safe to say that Baylor is officially back, right? After losing to uh, to Kansas and after struggling with Iowa State, the, all they did was, in the span of a week, was go into West Virginia and beat West Virginia, uh, beat a streaking K Cunningham, and then run Texas Tech off the court on uh, on, on Sunday afternoon. Um, <laughs> Macy Oteague, 35 points, 10 threes. Yeah, yeah, that I think was an amazing was he, performance. Bro. He was like ten for eleven. It was like unbelievable performance. Like they're they're fully back, man. Like those guards. Compare here, here's here's the perfect comparison for me to kind of put all of this stuff into context, right? Um, the third best guard that the, the 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 third best guard on Baylor's roster went for thirty five points tonight against the top twenty team um, and one of the better defensive teams in the Big Twelve. The third best guard on Gonzaga is either a starter from the SEC in Andrew Nemhard, who was a McDonald's All-American, or Joel Yai, who's going to end up playing uh, for the French national team at some point in his career and will probably play in the NBA. Like there, it, I don't even know who the third-best guard necessarily would be considered for Michigan. So that's that's kind of the context I want to put the, all that in. But, look, long story short, Baylor's back, bro. Yeah, man, they look back. <laughs> they look good. You know what I was really impressed with is, like, like just looking at the stats of the game – Texas Tech didn't even shoot that bad. Like they they had a, a solid shooting night. Terrible from the free throw line, but like for the most part, they had a, they had a solid shooting night. But man, Baylor was just relentless, keeping certain people from scoring. I mean, Matt McClung could not get going. It almost like seemed like the guards got too physical and made sure that he couldn't even get a good look. Period tonight, which I mean, if you kind of keep Mac out of the put out of play, the other guys did well for the most part. Except, I mean, Santos Silva didn't really – I know there that kind of hurts when – and I know for him especially just like transferring anything and it's going to be a, a good uh, – just as good situation as he had the year before and then it's just not panning out that way. But like him and Mac McClung having bad nights didn't really help Texas Tech at all, <laughs> especially when they got deep into that second half because it looked like it was close for a second and all of a sudden it was just like within a five-minute span it was a done deal. Like they were, they were up like in the teens and it's over. Yeah, and, you know, to to your point, you mentioned the good shooting. I, I do think that the one kind of hangover we've seen from from the pause that Baylor has had is that they're not they're not defending as well as they used to. Like the rotations to me are still not quite as crisp as they've been, um, and I think they're giving up more driving lanes. Like when you play that whole um, that that no middle defense with the the, the exaggerated help, the anticipated uh, anticipated help. Yeah. Uh, for, for people that don't know, like what, what Baylor does is they get up on the, the high side of you and they force you to drive baseline. And mm-hmm. since they know where you're going to drive, like they send the help to the charge spot, like to the, to the block. 
on the other side of the rim as soon as you put the ball on the floor. So they're waiting for you as soon as you dribble. When that one guy rotates to go get to put get into the help side, you got the other guy dropping to the baseline to cut off the pass to the corner. So yeah. like their rotations are like this as soon as you put the ball on the floor because they know exactly where you're going. So what they're going to try to make you give up is that when you're driving hard to your right hand, the one-handed live dribble pass cross court to the opposite wing. And if you can hit yeah. that pass, like, okay, great. Like you're, you're an NBA guard. You're one of, yeah. one, you're one of probably like six guards in college basketball that can make that pass right now. So that's when I say the no middle defense and the overhelp, like that's what they do. Um, and I just think that the rotations have been a little slow. They've been a little, they've, they've given up straight line drives a little bit easier. Um, and I'm sure that'll come back with time. But it's just something that I've noticed. Like, I don't know if you've picked up on that as well. I mean, yeah, I kind of just seeing them gradually get back from the pause. I mean, you, you can pick them apart, but they're starting to sew some things up, <laughs> so to speak, with their defense. has gotten obviously better since coming back from that. And the shooting it was one of the first things that came back, I noticed. And, and they don't look as tired. Like, I watched the West Virginia game. I feel like that was the game that kind of, like, you know, ignited them a little bit yes like got that was like a push for them like and they win that game on the road and then they come out here and the way they played today was just phenomenal so yeah so yeah i don't see i don't see too much of a lag i mean speaking of west virginia um they lost on saturday at home to to oklahoma state um so i'm gonna allow you to say what you got to say about your mountaineers uh and then i can i can talk a little bit about oklahoma state because that's I, w- I could not be more impressed with Mike Boynton and, the, and, and what he's doing with that team. Yeah, just like uh, I believe I text you. Um, I might have texted you during the game talking about Coach. Like, that's an amazing job to go in there and beat <laughs> and beat West Virginia, who's fine, no problems at the moment, and you, you're down two of your best ball handlers and players. Like, that was a, an amazing game. Uh, Avery Anderson played out of his mind. Um I was disappointed that our guys, we lacked the energy to uh, to do certain things in the game, it looked like. And a team who doesn't have their best players decided to step up and get the extra loose balls and get those offensive rebounds and box out and, and get extra possessions and, and beat the Mountaineers at home. I mean, and we talked about consistency before with uh, as far as defensively and offensively and also just offensively individual players being a little bit more consistent. Uh, you started to see a little bit of that going into the uh, second half of that game. So, yeah, I mean, I mean better team it really, won. It really, it really stood out to me. Um, just kind of like the effort plays, the things that you always just take for granted that West Virginia is going to do. Um, nice. The ones that really stood out was there was, there was probably four offensive rebounds in the second half where that, that Oklahoma State got after the ball hit the floor, right? Like that should, to me, that should, that should be unacceptable. If you're a, if you're if you're the defensive team, four different times the ball hits the floor and the other team gets the offensive rebound. Like that should not be something that happens. Nah. Um, there were at least three times that I noticed where uh, West Virginia just completely failed to get back in transition against Oklahoma State. Which and that's like again, that's an effort thing. Those are the things that you can you can control. To me, you can't control. Sean McNeil happened happening to have an off night and Derek Culver not playing his best because um, of something that Oklahoma state does defensively or miles McBride, like making a couple of silly turnovers on entry passes. Right. Like those are the things that are going to happen during the course of a game and happen over the course of a season and happen as a result of something that Oklahoma state does defensively. What you can control is whether or not you get back in those transitions, whether or not you get to those loose balls first, the, the hustle stuff, the effort stuff, and to me, that wasn't there for West Virginia. And it was a little bit um, jarring to see that happen. You know, that's not the, the West Virginia that I've, I've come to, um, to, to expect out of a Bob Huggins team. So yeah. I am sure, and you can probably attest to this, I am sure that that is getting uh, run out of them. This yeah, I'm, I'm sure something, something is. <laughs> um, to agree with you, that's just not what you would consider a Bob Huggins team's MO to be. Uh, and well, we know what their MO is, and the effort they showed, it didn't seem like that was the case. And it was a big night. I kind of felt, uh, I kind of feel it was big for West Virginia actually to win a game while they're in the top ten, which is something like they got close to about like two or three times a season, and then they fall out of the, the uh, they fall out of the ring because of they lose a game when they get near the area. So 
you have that scenario. We have uh, Coach Huggins' 900th win, and you have one of the guys, and Derek Culver is getting a thousand points, and eh, an opportunity of a three seed for the NCAA tournament as well. Like you know, being one of those hey, top. I thought that they. I thought if they, they had a chance. Out. If they made a run and won out, I, I, they could have gotten a number one seed. Like, exactly, it's very possible. Illinois, Illinois could have made it so impossible. But yeah, if they had won out. There would, have, there was a chance that they could have gotten a one seed. Yeah, they um, can apply some pressure, but that's not the case now. Yeah. So, so obviously, we we discuss West Virginia here first because we have a former West Virginia player on the podcast. <laughs> so it only makes sense to talk about them first, but uh, I, I think you have to give just an unbelievable amount of credit to Mike Boynton and the job that he's done with that team. Um, the fact that you can go without Cade Cunningham and Ice Likely in a game on the road against a top 10 team and go out and win that game and have a guy whose career high was 17 points go and drop 31 and have your role players step up and make big shots and make big plays and most importantly, be ready for the moment. Like to me, that was the thing that really stood out. Like I, I, I don't think I was ever going to like, I, I'm not going to doubt like whether or not a Mike Boynton team is going to show up ready to play at this point. You just kind of yeah. accept that. Yes, they're going to be ready to play. Um, I'm not going to doubt whether or not Mike's going to come up with, with a, a good game plan, because like at this point you just kind of accept that he's going to do something smart. And the smart thing he did against West Virginia was just go to a matchup zone that really seemed to kind of take them out of their rhythm and frustrate mm-hmm. them. Like it felt like they got a lot more stuff out of transition. than they did in the, If they were if Oklahoma state kept them in the half court, West Virginia looked like they were going to have trouble with scoring every possession um, that Oklahoma State did that. So you got to give Mike Boynton credit there. You just, at this point, I've come to expect it from him. But the fact that he had guys that had never been in that moment Facts. That were ready to step up and thrive in that moment, like that's that's impressive to me, man. Like Avery Anderson coming out and putting up 31, like that is really impressive. And the thing, another thing that really stood out, and, and I don't know if you picked up on this, but on the bench during that game, Cade Cunningham was going nuts. Yeah, like he was celebrating like he was a walk on for every play. Like he was doing like the the like the three goggles and like all the celebrations that you would expect. Like the the guy that's just there to help bring the team's GPA up. Like to be doing like he was doing all that stuff. And I, like I know he's a one and done, but I just love the fact that he has fully bought in to like the student athlete experience and to the, to the, the being a college basketball player. And like, I'm an Oklahoma state cowboy through and through, even I'm going to be here for 10 months, but I am an Oklahoma state cowboy through and through. And like, it's just, it's fun to see a kid like have that much fun playing. Right. And even when he's not playing, because there's a lot of guys where if, if you're out, right. And your team goes on to win, there are going to be people that say like, well, why? Why are they looking better without you? What's the problem? Why are we? Why is this happening? We saw it happen with Io. Io went out, and everyone was like, "Well, maybe they should be playing Andre Corbello more minutes." Like, no, they just happened to have a really good game plan on a night where Michigan didn't play well. Iowa, Iowa happened to be out, so to see him celebrate the way he did was awesome. And and, and I, I was texting with Mike after the game, and. Uh, he was like, I, I said to him, I was like, I loved watching. I, I love seeing the way that Kate celebrated. And he basically said, like, he's the best teammate like that, that you can ask for. He takes pride in being unselfish. That's what Mike said. He takes pride in being called unselfish. And um, I, I, you just you can see that. Like, he's 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 just a winner that is fully bought in. And when your star is fully bought in like that, I think it it lifts everybody else up in the program. And the last thing on my rant before I let you say something about Oklahoma State is that um, I made this point a couple times, but the analytically inclined will tell you that when you win a whole bunch of close games like this, like there's a there's an element of luck that's involved, right? When you win a bunch of games on buzzer beaters, like eventually those buzzer beaters are going to stop going in. Like you can't. You, you, you expect to hit a buzzer beater, what, like 40% of the time, something like that? Let's just say 40%. You hit three in a row. Well, the next one, you're still going to have a 40% chance of hitting it. So over time, that's going to end up evening out, and you're probably not quite as good as what your record is going to say. Well, to me, um, Oklahoma State, the fact that they've been in all these close games, they're battle-tested, they're confident in those moments, and they have probably the best closer maybe the second best closer to Io in all of college basketball and Kate Cunningham. So I just, I'm, I'm fully bought in on this. Like I, I legitimately think 
that Oklahoma State is a, is, is a team that can get to a Final Four. I don't know. Maybe I'm just overstating it. Maybe I'm just uh, caught up in the moment. But I, I think that this is a team that can get to a Final Four. Jeez, I don't know about the Final Four, but um, I will, I'm will. i kind of bought in on Oklahoma State as well. Um, just looking back to when we first started talking about teams in the preseason, this team has picked seventh in, in the Big 12 due to lo- losing a bunch of players, uh, having a bunch of guys who've never been there before, like we just said. And, I mean, they had NCAA stuff looming over their head as well. So you have to think, like, everybody from the beginning of the season to now has counted them out until, obviously, we get to midseason and everybody sees how well they start doing. And they get – I want to say bandwagon, but, you know, people start to pay attention a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Like, this team was picked to finish seventh, and they're supposed to be, like, one of these teams that you can walk on in the conference, but instead they turned themselves into a team that made the conference even stronger this year, adding another big 12 team uh, to the NCAA tournament. Like one has done a great job and just even watching this past game against WVU and you can tell like, these are scenarios where you lose uh, two of your best players where guys are looking forward to stepping up. Some people don't, these guys stepped up big time won their what their fourth or fifth ranked game like in the last like out of six games played like they they're I feel like they this is a very good team this is a a team that can cause a ton of mismatches in in the tournament big 12 and in NCAA like they're they're not very big but they're in but they're scrappy they play hard and they got one of the best players in the country on their team so I can't I can't really count them out of a Final Four. I don't see it. I think I can see them Sweet 16, possible Elite Eight, depending on their matchup. But, like, when you have one of the best players in the country on your team, the number one draft pick, basically, it's like mm-hmm. it's nothing that's not possible <laughs> with Cater and the court. And, so. and, look, the knock on them – the knock on them all year has been, what, what like, where's their supporting cast? Well, yeah, you know, Avery Anderson, if you need to, can go for 31, you know. Mm-hmm. Ice likely has played for the USA national teams before the Boone brothers. Like I'm not even going to bother trying to keep them straight because I am never going to be able to like like, I'm never going to be able to keep them straight. Just not even going to bother trying, but the Boone brothers were really good. But like the, the guy that's the big guy was really good in the paint. And the guy that shoots threes, the Boone that that shoots threes made a bunch of threes. Like what else can you ask for? Moncrief had a good game. Yeah. Like they had a lot of guys that did well. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's big. That's, that's really, really big. So when you have the best player on the floor, you got a bunch of, bunch of role guys that can step up and, and thrive in the moment and you're battle tested. Like they've played four overtime games, right? Four of their, four of their seven losses have been by one possession. All they do is play close games. I swear. Exactly. Every, time I look used at, to... every time my Oklahoma state game is on and I flip to it in the last five minutes, like it's close every single one, every single time I've watched them. So and that's a skill in itself, man. That's a, exactly. That's a skill in itself. Being able to win close games or like know know that when you're in close games, like we definitely still have a chance to win. And some people, some teams can't even do that when they get. So down. how much? I mean, you you've experienced this. Like, how much of that is confidence? How much of that is belief and execution? How much of that is coaching? Like, where does that come from? Honestly, I feel like it's all, all of those things you just mentioned in one. I mean, you got to see it happen once to believe it. And then once you once you see it, then you have faith in that. And if you were to get down, you can come back. And that and obviously coaching comes into effect as well, depending on like you know how much your coach stresses, how much he believes in you, and feels that you guys can do those things. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, just seeing it is believing. <laughs> it just takes. And, and they've had that opportunity this season to see it, and they know they can. They they're right there, and they can beat any team coming back, being up or being down. It's either or for them. Yeah, before we talk about Illinois, let me just uh, let you guys know a little bit about our partners over at Bet River Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up with Bet Rivers yet, now's the time. Bet River Sportsbook is offering a $250 match bonus for your first deposit with the code 250MATCH. But what sets them apart is that they require just one playthrough to turn your bonus into cash money. When you win at Bet Rivers, they pay fast. And now it's even faster with Rush Pay instant approval for withdrawals it's safe it's secure it's reliable i know because i use them and with march madness right around the corner there's never been a better time to give bet rivers sportsbook a try so go to betrivers.com today or download the bet rivers ios app you must be 21 years or older gambling problem call 
gambler. I also want to let you guys know a little bit about a new campaign that we're working on with Manscaped. It's called We Save Balls. Uh, I don't have the t-shirt on right now. I wore it during Thursday's live stream, and then I put it in the laundry, and my laundry is literally in the washing machine right now, so I'm not going to go take it out just to put it on for this campaign. But uh, what Manscaped is doing uh, over the course of the next three weeks during March Madness, um, any money that is used or any money that is spent on any of their products, uh, a percentage of that is going to go to the Testicular Cancer Society, um, and they're trying to raise money for testicular cancer. I mean, what more is there to say about that? You know, so um, what where we come in is that if you use the promo code field, you're going to be able to get 20% off and you're going to be able to get free shipping. So not only are you going to be getting a discount on their products, but you're also going to be able to have some of that money go to a good cause to fight cancer, to fight testicular cancer, which is the most common form of cancer in men ages to 18 to 34. The other part of it, and the reason why we're supposed to wear the We Save Ball shirts that I don't have on right now that is in my uh, in my washing machine is because um, it's supposed to be a reminder. It's supposed to let you know if you are a man and you are listening to this, check your balls. Make sure you don't have any lumps. If you are a woman and you are listening to this, go tell your man to check his balls and make sure he doesn't have any lumps. Um, and also, like, look, the, the Manscaped products, they are good. I'm not going to sit here and pitch them to you too hard because, I mean, this is not necessarily about just selling the product. It's about making sure you check your balls to make sure you don't have any lumps in them. Uh, but the Lawnmower 3.0 and the Perfect Package 3.0, they're, they're products that I use they, they, and they work well. And I'll tell you what, my my wife is relatively satisfied now. She, she said I look a lot. Um, <laughs> relative, re, relatively. I was going to make, well, I was going to make a joke, but we probably have some, uh, some younger listeners that I'm not going to make, but um yeah, trust me when I say that they are good products. They work well. They don't clip anything. They don't nick anything. You don't end up bleeding anywhere. Um, and the uh, the lawnmower 3.0, it does work in the shower, and it does have a light, which is actually really effective uh, at being able to get a closer and uh, more precise trim if you need to. Um, and the other, they, 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 the crop reviver and the crop preserver, they have things to help you. One of the biggest issues that I have today, I don't know if you have this problem, um, during the summer, I'm, I'm outside all the time with my kids. And normally, since I have a two-year-old daughter, that means I'm walking along. And one of the biggest problems when you're walking along and it gets a little hot out and it gets a little sweaty is the chafage and the, the, your, the junk sticking to your leg. And they have products that can help you with that in the perfect package 3.0. So they've thought of it all. Yeah. Go to manscaped.com. Use the promo code FIELD. <laughs> get 20% off, get free shipping, and have a portion of the proceeds go to the Testicular Cancer Society. There's no downside. So just do it. Use our promo code. Help us out. Help support the network. Uh, it's all good. Day, let's get into Iota Sumo's performance uh, at Ohio State. Um, best closer in the country. Best masked player in the country. Is he officially Batman now after coming out in that black mask? That was awesome. <laughs> that thing was awesome. Now, I remember uh, right before the game starts and uh, my wife was like, is he playing? I didn't think he was going to play. And I was like, yeah, they said he was playing today. Like, and just getting – just prepping for – like watching them prepare for the game, I was excited. I thought it was going to be a good game. And, I mean, he didn't disappoint from beginning to end. He was he was who he thought he was. So. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, man, like shout out to Illinois State. I, I said Illinois State. Excuse me. Shout out to Illinois. Um they're a team I feel like can go to the Final Four. I mean, that's just they, their style of play and their star power with Iowa and Kofi. Obviously, Kofi didn't uh, – I mean, he played well, but he didn't, like, go to his 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 normal his normal double-double status. But, I mean, I think these guys could be a very, very big problem, especially since they're starting to gel. And now that these uh, – the other guys, like the supporting cast – had an opportunity to like show off their talent and, and, and boost their confidence before conference play, before conference tournament play. I mean, I feel like that was a good thing for them. Like it is a good thing for Illinois to take into the uh, deep into the tournament, hopefully. Yeah. Um, so my big thing with them is that I kind of expected when, uh, when I was out that like Adam Miller would be the guy that would step up for him. Mm-hmm. I thought that's who it would, who would end up being. And it wasn't. It was Andre Corbello. And over the course of the last 
four games, he's averaged 15.8 points, 7.5 boards, and 4.8 assists, which is pretty damn good. Um, and what that means is that now they can go with like these two two point guard looks. And for me, like in the last 10 years, I, I went on this rant the other day, but in the last 10 years, eight of the 10 teams that won the national title had two point guards, whether it was like Russ Smith and Peyton Siva or Shabazz mm-hmm. and Kemba Walker or Shabazz and Ryan Bolfer. Like they've had two point guards. Ty Jerome and Kihei Clark won it in 2019. Um, so the only teams that didn't were the Villanova team in 2018 that had Jalen Brunson and like three other combos on the floor with them. Yeah, exactly. And 2012 Kentucky with Anthony Davis and Michael K. Gilbert. So now you can play Andre Corbello and Io DeSumo together. And that just gives you a like completely different look. And I think that that takes some of the uh some of the the onus on Io to be the sole creator. Because the one thing that like he's really, really good, but the one thing about him is he's a little bit predictable because he's kind of right hand dominant. Um, and you kind of know what Illinois wants to get him, the action they want to get him into. So having another guy on the floor that can take some of that playmaking responsibility away from him, especially when they're as good as, as Andre is, that's huge. That's yeah. huge. So let me ask you this. what When you have those two point guards together or those two playmakers, like why does that have such an impact on a basketball team in a basketball game? Well – Speaking strictly on Illinois, I mean, thinking about Io's game, he's amazing in transition, like I say all the time. And teams, like you say, he can tend to get a little predictable. And I felt like the one of the things that Illinois was missing was more like another point guard who can, like just looking at their team, Andre aside, their team is missing somebody that can get into the half court and and create and make plays for other people as well. Um, two point two guard teams usually do well just because if you have if you're you have two point guards on the floor. I mean, you have double the, double the opportunity to for somebody that leads the floor, leads the team to set up plays for everybody. So I, I like you brought up uh, Payne Steve, who's, who's a great point guard, and Russ Smith. Like that was a great example of like two point guard teams where you could put the ball in one of those two guys' hands, and something good will happen. Whether they find their own shot because they were good enough scores or they find a shot for someone else. Um, Andre is creative enough to find his own shots. He's also creative enough to find shots for other guys. And the way that uh, Io is in transition, I mean, it's almost like they can take care of both. It's like the James Harden, uh, Russell Westbrook, grin. I hope it works out a little bit better. But, you know, Russ is amazing in transition. And then you get the ball in James's hands, and then you have half-court pick and roll and things of that nature. I kind of – I can see that dynamic almost in a sense with uh, these two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it makes them better. Yeah. Makes them better. Basically, the, basically. Yeah. The the last thing I do want to say about um, about this game is that Dwayne Washington completely shot Ohio State out of it. I thought that they were in a great position to win. He missed. I'm, I, I just counted it out. He missed his last <laughs> seven shots of the game. That's, um, that's tough. Last seven shots of the game. Five of them came in the final four minutes after they had gone up 68 to 64. He missed three shots, all bad shots, by the way, in the next uh, in the next, next minute and 15 seconds after they took a four-point lead. And they never scored again. I they mean, went up 68-64 with four minutes left, and Dwayne Washington shot him out of the game. Against Michigan earlier this year, he had made the bad decision to go double somebody at the wrong time. Yes. And, and and got beat by off the dribble. Like he's such a talented player. And I remember Chris Holtman telling uh, Jeff Goodman and Robbie Hubble this earlier this year that there are times where he is like they, before the game starts, he says, he says, I love you. During the game, they have a lot of what Chris Holtman said was hard conversations. After the game, they say, I love you again. So. Uh, it's worrisome. You know, we said it on the Why Your Team Sucks podcast. One of our biggest concerns is is what Dwayne Washington is going to do, and that kind of came to fruition again. Well, like like we did say during that pod, it's just the way their team is set up. I mean, if Sewing's not playing well and uh, CJ is like playing okay, it's going to be dependent on EJ, and it's going to be dependent on Dwayne. And Dwayne was kind of in a scenario where we kind of uh, we put Mac McClung early where he's just going to be a volume shooter. 
Mm-hmm. He could get in the thing is he know he his best games aren't really him getting volume shots up like that. Um but he can tend to just get a lot of them up at the wrong times and they and they don't and it doesn't work well for them, especially I mean, sheesh, the last three games, I mean, Grant, he's had decent scoring games, but he also shoots the ball in inopportune times and it puts them in terrible situations in the game. Yep. All right. Um, is there anything else from this weekend that you want to mention? This weekend? Nothing I mean, about UConn peaking at the right time. I'm, I feel like UConn's peaking at a time where Villanova loses a guard and all these stu- all these things going on with Creighton. It's just like I feel like everything is looking great for UConn. Right everything, like, everything is coming up UConn. It's right just now. coming up UConn. I, I, if UConn goes on another run in March, you're, I'm going to be miserable to deal with. Right. First, and, first and foremost, when you said that, <laughs> so we're in the chat yesterday, and Rob like names the three Final Four teams, and he names UConn as the fourth uh, number one seed, and no one said anything, and I, I literally thought I was in an alternate reality for a second. <laughs> I was like, wait, why is no one saying anything? No, no one's addressing this. They just, then, they just know at this point. But now, but look at what's happening. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't think they're going to be a, a one seed, of course. But just to see them starting to to turn things around after the the, the absolute long like uh, pause period they had early in the season, and coming out losing their first get, that first game, the way they lost it, um, and then just being up and down, book night being injured, coming back like. Now looking at this team, like having having an opportunity to you know make some noise late in the late in the year. Yep, yep, they're peaking at the exciting. right time, man. That's what you got to do. Exactly. All right, we're gonna do some postseason awards and then uh, some things that we're really looking forward to um, heading down the stretch of the season. So I'm guessing that your player of the year, who, who's your player of the year right now? I gotta just go with Aya. I gotta go with Aya. Going with Aya. It was I had a three way with uh, it was. A three-way decision with uh, Io, Luca, and I was really big on uh, on Jared Butler, but I just I'm going with Io. Yeah, it's, I mean it's close. Uh, I think it's way closer than anyone is going to say that it is. I just I've I've come around on Luca. Like he just, mm-hmm. I mean he's just he's everything for that team. Like everything that they do really like, yeah. that has to run through him offensively. Like he is. He doesn't average a ton of assists, but he is like the the creative outlet because they have to get him the touches to be able to get shots for everybody else. Like yeah. if he's not getting touches and forcing those double teams, where's their offense coming from? Especially with Jack Nunji out. So like, I, I, it's tough, man. I did love. You see the, did you see their first half? Um, their first half, they, they guard a little bit. By the way. Yeah, I mean, guard like guard a little bit. Like, he's, he's gotten he's gotten better on that end. Like he's not he's not terrible. Like he's not good. <laughs> yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna. Let's not. I was gonna say let's just stop. Yeah. Good, but like all things considered, like he's he's he has improved, and as he has gotten better, the rest of the Iowa team has gotten better. And um, when you have, I don't want to say a guy that can erase mistakes. But when you have a guy that can be functional guarding ball screens that you don't have to hide in the zone, and that just makes you so much – like it's so much exactly. easier to play man-to-man if you're not like this freak athletic team, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, him him getting better defensively is a significant reason why they have been playing better down the stretch of the season. Now, why I thought we were going to get a Fran fade, but we are not getting a Fran fade. <laughs> they, were, uh, they played really well down the stretch. All right, National Coach of the Year, who are you going with? National Coach of the Year. If I can't go Bob Huggins, of course, I'm going to go with Jawan Howard. Jawan Howard should get National Coach of the Year. First season on deck, like just, I feel like Jawan just did a great job this year. Man. Yeah, he did. He did. He just did an absolute phenomenal job. His team is a good team overall where, you know, uh, most teams in the country, if you take away Baylor and Gonzaga, are you know one or two guys or they do a pretty good job of like scoring as a as a as a as a unit his team his, his team does a lot of things really well now they're going through a little rough stretch right now but I mean I, it comes with the conference it's a really good conference so it is what it is but Juwan Howard definitely should be getting uh coach of the year I think um yeah I mean it's tough to argue against him um I would personally go with uh so the the I I feel like every year um, 
coach of the year ends up going to the 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 team that the outperforms expectations the most. Underdog, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I think that the ability to live up to the expectations that you have is one of the hardest things to do. And I think that both Scott Drew and Mark Few have done that this season. Um, I would tend to lean towards Scott Drew because I think that his team has been through a little bit more. I mean, they're heading into March with a, a, a 20 and whatever and one record, um, despite the fact that they've had two different uh, they had a pause and a shutdown, a shutdown for three weeks. It took their yeah. legs out from underneath them, and they're, they're like they're fully back. Macy O.T. went full Steph Curry, and now they're fully back. Um, so I would probably lean Steph, uh, Steph, Steph Drew, Scott Drew. <laughs> I got Steph Curry on the mind. Yeah, facts. I would probably lean Scott Drew over Mark Few and Jawan Howard, and like guys like Nate Oates and Brad Underwood. Like, there's probably yeah. a dozen, a dozen guys that deserve mention. So don't, mm-hmm. please don't yell at us if I didn't mention your team. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, uh, I, I think that I would probably lean Scott Drew over Mark Few and Jawan Howard right now. But I think those are the top three. Probably. But not to mention, geez, Scott Drew just won a second year without losing a home game just there as a, yeah. as a third year. And they won, he, won, he won the Big 12 at Baylor. That's, that's not hey, – I, I was hey. talking to my wife. I was like, I don't know many people that wanted to go to Waco at one point in time. He turned that place around, man. So Waco, Waco is no longer known for like the, the Waco, right? It's also the way the Baylor basketball program is no longer known for the shit that happened with Dave Bliss and Brian Dennehy. Yeah, facts. Like, it's, I don't think. Whew, yeah, that like, was not a good. That was not a high destination for many people. No, like I don't think people realize how bad that program was. They did not won a league title since 1950. Deshaun. 1950, when Jeff Goodman was four years old, was the last time that they won a they won a they won a conference. Yeah, he didn't have to. He didn't have to kill Jeff like that. <laughs> Gee, now he's deaf. I gotta hear that. That's tough. Yeah. Oh man. But yeah. Look, the job he's done, and and we could probably do an entire podcast on the job he's done there. But the nah, fact honestly. that he made Baylor into the program that it is is unbelievable. I would say that they're. I, I don't know how many. Like people keep calling it a rebuilding job. It's not a rebuilding job. It's a building job. There was nothing there before. It's like, <laughs> I, no, I'm serious. Like what? No, there was nothing thanks. there. And I, I would put it, I would probably put Arizona slightly above what Scott Drew's done because Arizona, A, won a title and B, um, Lute Olson, like after he left, it's sustained, right? Yeah. I would probably put UConn slightly above it too because Jim Calhoun like took over and they went from being a, a, a complete non entity to being a program that won four national titles in 15 years. Mm-hmm. Think, who does that? Nobody. Like yeah, Duke okay. doesn't even win four titles in 15 years and UConn did it. UConn and Stores, Connecticut. You've been to Stores. Yeah. You know what they got in Stores? I didn't see anything. They got, they got, they got, they got, <laughs> they got, they got a lot of, um, I don't know if I want to say what I was about to say, but they, let's let's just say that it's uh it's not the best area, and there's a lot of cows. There's a lot of cows. There's a lot of trees, and that's about it. So <laughs> it's not it's there, there's nothing there. And he turned stores. It's like the capital, like the basketball capital of the world. That might be that might that might be exaggerating a little. I was gonna say. Yeah, I, was gonna say. I mean, like I'm not. The, the the larger point of what Jim Calhoun built at UConn into a national power, it's just like yeah. it's, it's it's ridiculous. There's, nah, no, there's no reason that UConn should be good at basketball. It's not like there's good basketball players in Connecticut. Trust me, I know I played basketball in Connecticut. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have a lot of good basketball players. And that's why Scott Drew deserves – he probably does. He Honestly, he, he, what he's done this year, the past two, three years, has been nothing short of phenomenal. But obviously looking at the entire scope of it, like – it, 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 what kind of award would you give him a lifetime achievement? Award? Yeah, lifetime like, achievement. Like, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I, if if Indiana ends up making a move on Archie Miller this year, I think my first call if I'm Indiana is to Scott Drew. Yeah. His dad it's, his it's dad played at Valpo. He's got Indiana roots. Um, he builds programs the way that 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 people at Indiana want to build programs. Like he's not just gonna survive on the one and done. So he's going to identify players that can fit into a culture. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's what Indiana guys want. Like more than anything else, Indiana want Indiana fans want people to play for the university that love Indiana as much as they do. Exactly. Um, he obviously can coach. 
and coach his ass off. And I think that um, he having that kind of like affable personality that can deal with being the center of attention. Like, cause I mean, Indiana, it's, it's like the same thing as Kentucky and Louisville and like you're in a fishbowl. Yeah, right? like you're the head coach. You're, 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 it. you're it. That's what I said. So, yeah. um, the the big thing is just like the level of expectation there is insane, and um, I'm 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 never going to be one of these guys that says like Indiana fans should not expect a certain level of winning, um, but you have to go in there knowing that the fan base expects a certain level of winning, and if you're not going to get it done quick, like you're, they're going to get you out of there. So, um. Tough job, but yeah, Scott Drew will be my first yeah, call. I, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they actually did give him a call. So. No, well, what, my first call would be De- to Deshaun Butler. When, when he says nine, I got a pass. I got I got this assistant coaching gig with, with Wheeling University. Boy, I can't help you guys out. I made promises. We got we got everybody coming back next year, so we're we're gonna be all if right. I, if I do that, you can <laughs> come here and just knock me the hell out. Um, all right, so let's go to uh, let's do All Americans. I th- I thought the first this was the easiest first team All American team I've ever talk had. to me, talk to me. Let me well, see. What I had you could probably laugh at mine. You always laugh at my list anyway. So so Luca, <laughs> Luca, Io, and Jared I thought were just givens. Yeah, you have to have those those three on there. Yeah, I thought Cade Cunningham was a pretty obvious choice. And mm-hmm. for me, um, I went with Corey Kispert from Gonzaga. Because I think I just think that he's their best player, like the the best shooter, three and D guy, senior conference player of the year already. Um, so I, yeah, I, I went with that. That was my five, and I think that like you got to get someone from Butler, you got to get someone from Gonzaga on there. I think you have to get Cade, Luca, and I on there, and it just it, it all it all kind of worked out. So to me, like this was the easiest one I've ever had to put together. I put yeah. I put the least amount of thought I've ever put into an all like, first team All American team. Second team was hard. Was Second team. Really, Really hard for me. First team was easy for me to do. Who'd you have first team? Same. I had the same guys. That's what I said. I felt like the first team was pretty that, simple. See, that's how you know it's easy to do. When the two it's of like, us agree on, like, who should be on an All-American team, like, that's when you know it's easy. This, this I felt like it was pretty simple. Consensus. Yeah. The funny thing was, initially, I I was, like, tossing around with two guys. I was tossing around with, uh, for some reason, I was tossing around with Evan Mobley and, and Kate Cunningham, and then I – just looking at that Oklahoma State team before, if you take Kay Cunningham off of there, <laughs> yeah. it's just like, what am I talking about? Like, Kay Cunningham is the first teamer. Like, he well, brought I, that I team. mean, Evan's awesome. He was the first guy on my list for the second team. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's why I said he, well, give, me, he give me your give me your five for the second team because this could be interesting. I, I bet we're going to have guys. I have uh, Marcus Carr. I have Davion Mitchell. I have Drew Timmy, Kofi Coburn, and I put Evan Mobley there. I just kept I kept three bigs. Like I can't, I couldn't not put Drew Timmy on it. Drew Timmy is played great. Yeah, I got <laughs> so like, Drew Timmy on there too. Um, I got Mobley on there too. Uh, I went with Franz Wagner. Ah, oh, okay, okay. I just I love everything that he does for that team. Um, I went with Davion Mitchell too from uh, yeah. Baylor. Like yeah. just the best defender in college basketball on ball. And he's also averaging like fifteen and six, forty percent. He's putting, he's putting up, he's doing what, what I thought that, uh, well, Marcus Guy should have been doing. I thought he would be more, because obviously he's going to bring you one side of the basketball defensively. I thought he would, uh, you know, embrace the uh, opportunity to be a scorer. But just watching Davion Mitchell this year, bro, like <laughs> he's different. <laughs> he he competes. He's he's guarding the best offensive guard. And he's going at him. And you can tell, like, that's just, like, the the vibe that uh, Baylor gives off with their teams. Their guards, like, they're stacked. They're, they're dogs, bro. So so I just I just realized where I fucked up. What I should have done was, because you just mentioned Marcus Garrett, what I should have done for player of the year is that I was giving it to David McCormick and seeing what your reaction would be. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I love Marcus Garrett this year, man. I thought Marcus Garrett was uh, – obviously, they didn't finish the way I wanted him to finish. But Marcus Garrett is uh, – He's a hell of a player, and he he brought that team also in the forefront where we were like yeah. kind of like pushing them off to the side early on. They were a team that uh, looked pretty damn good midseason. Where do you stand on the comparisons between Davion Mitchell and Javon Carter? Uh, what I would say is that it was similar how they how I figured Davion Mitchell's finishing. So like they're similar, they're similar how they finished. Like Javon coming in wasn't 
really known as a scorer. His effort and his effort was what he was known for. And he built himself into like an absolutely great basketball player. Like worked super hard on the sh- shooting, ball handling, getting into shots. And the defense obviously got better over the years. And he is a rare, a rare player to win defensive player of the year as a guard back to back. So like I look at Davion Mitchell in that light where he is a guard who it wasn't necessarily known for a scoring. It was more or less like he's going to be a good defender and he's going to give uh, Jared Butler like a break from having the ball in his hands the entire time. And he went from that to the player we see now who's like, who you can argue being a first team all American. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, last guy on my second team all American list. I went a little off the board with this one. I went with Chris Duarte from Oregon. No, uh, I mean, yeah, we, I remember you talked about Oregon prior. I, I think Oregon's going to make a run. I think Oregon and UConn are going to be the two teams, depending on how the bracket shakes out, that I'm going to end up having, like, no matter where they get seated, I'm going to have them in, like, the Sweet 16. I'm just going to pencil them in. And Duarte is the biggest reason why. I, th- I mean, look, Oregon has five losses. They've won the Pac-12, by the way. Yeah. I don't think people really – they've won the Pac-12 outright. Um, they have five losses on the season. One of them came without LJ Figueroa and without uh, Will Richardson, who are two of their three best players. Uh, another one of them came when Will Richardson was still out, but LJ Figueroa was playing. And two of those losses came when they were coming off of COVID pauses, when they didn't have their whole team available. They basically, when they're at full strength, they basically have been beaten one time this season. They're really, really, really good, and I think that we're going to see that come in more. Like Dana Altman just gets teams playing the best at the end of the season. And Chris Duarte is their stud, man. He's averaging like 17 points, four boards, two assists, two steals, a block and a half, and shooting 40-something percent from three. Like, he is a monster. I think I think if I was an NBA GM, I would take him with a first-round pick. That's how that's how highly I think of him. I haven't got a chance to watch much of Oregon at all this season, um, but I remember the <laughs> last time I was – Pac-12 network. Yeah, man. and it's just like, like – All these, uh, <laughs> these new networks, and I can't watch them play anymore. So I can't. Even, I didn't even catch too many of the games, but just talking to you the last time, I remember we talked about how how like their team has so many guys that actually can score the basketball, and that makes them that much more dangerous to to guard. So like, I'm, I can't. Hopefully, they do make it a uh, pretty far in the tournament. Get a good chance to watch them and see how they match up with people this year. Yep. All right. So last thing, three things we're gonna do. What is the uh, what's the storyline that you're looking forward to the most coming out of uh, championship week coming up? Uh, I'm I'm actually hoping that Creighton can put themselves together mentally so they can come out there and play some good basketball. Um, I would say maybe like the last five or six games, I was, regardless of win or lose, I was just happy with the energy they were playing with. Like that, that Villanova when they had earlier was like, I felt like that was something that sparked them in the right direction, especially Zagorowski and just getting going and balancing these guys, just the, the speed, the, the way they shared the basketball, like they play together, they play hard together, they play for each other. You can see it by watching them. So I just hope they can uh, see past one of these things that can be made into a difficult thing, especially with their coaches' words and uh, with the media all over it. If they can just keep a, a narrow head and just focus on the locker room and then turn this negative into a positive for for a good finish for their season. Yeah, so I'm. That, that's a good one. I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing um... – Creighton make a run here and like win the Big East tournament and have some success in March. Uh, the storyline I'm looking forward to the most is just kind of like watching all the Cinderella's that happen to be like the blue bloods in the major conferences. Cause I think we're going to see a lot of like <laughs> low seeds make runs, right? Yeah. Like if I had to pick right now, I think I might pick North Carolina to win the ACC tournament just based off of how well they've been playing and how the, the bracket kind of shakes out um, Michigan state. They get Maryland in the first round of the Big Ten tournament, and then they get Michigan as the eight seed in uh, in the quarterfinals. I think they have a chance to make a run in, in, in their conference tournaments. I think UConn is primed to make a run yeah. in the Big East tournament. But if they don't, like, how about this? St. John's is the four seed. They play Seton Hall in the first round. You get past Seton Hall, you get uh, you get uh, Villanova in the in the semifinals. St. John's playing in Madison Square Garden against the Villanova team that doesn't have their two best point guards, assuming Justin Moore doesn't play. Mm. That's that's a that's a bad matchup. How about this? The point guard, if Justin Moore doesn't play, then I think it means that Villanova is going to start Chris Archidiakono. On Saturday against Providence, Chris Archidiakono played 25 minutes. Mm. 
prior to that game for his entire Villanova career, which spanned two full seasons. Do you know how many minutes he played in his entire career before Saturday's game when he had 25 minutes? No, 25. 35 <laughs> minutes. He played 35 <laughs> minutes in two seasons. Jeez. So, yeah. As, as Ryan Archie Diakono's brother. So, you know, if he was good enough, Jay Wright would have put him in there because that's Ryan Archie Diakono's brother. You never know, though. You never know. A lot of people have made uh, their their famous career. I mean, they, their career is a little bit uh, hot. You know, what would be funny? situations, man. It would be funny. Like if he came out here and he averaged like 16. That's what I'm saying. Like you got to start making fun of him. He's like, a he of a starts posting up. He starts doing all the things oh, he, yeah. that Jay Wright likes to do with the guards. So, yeah. so um, Duke, like, I don't think Duke's going to make a run. Uh, I just, whatever. But what I'm really hoping for today, and I, what I think would be the best storyline in the history of storylines in, in, in the championship week is if Kentucky can make a run and win the SEC tournament. If that would be interesting, actually. I, wa- I really want after that the, to happen. After the season they've had, like, I feel like you couldn't take the, the shit-eating grin off a cow's face of that. Oh, man. It would be great. Like, it would sit there and just – it would be because here's the thing: if they if they make a run and they win the, the and they win the SEC tournament and they get the automatic bid, they're going to end up with like a a, a 13 seed or something. And I just I think Cal, you know how Cal every year always has some kind of problem with where they're seated. Yeah, he always has to say something you can't about say it. A damn like, thing. Argument about why they should have been. Oh, be epic! Like I want nothing more than for Kentucky to make a run and win the SEC tournament. And look, you know, I put a big ass smile on my face just thinking about that. <laughs> Great. That All right, so who's, your, uh, who's, who's the guy that's going to be the breakout star for you during conference tournament week? Breakout star, I feel like Io getting back for the Big Ten tournament. Had a, He had a solid game recently. I feel like he's just going to have an amazing finish to the season. I mean, for them to go to the Final Four like they're picked to go, they got to go through him, and I can't foresee many teams – the Big Ten is a is a tough conference. I can't foresee many teams throughout the NCAA being able to keep up with the pace that Illinois runs with. Yeah, I just can't foresee it. They're big. They run the bigs run. All the guards can can handle the ball, find their shot a little bit, and they're they're doing a little bit better toward the end of the season. The supporting cast, and then you have this guy that's runner for who has the opportunity to win Player of the Year, who's like getting almost twenty a game, seven boards and four or five assists, like, I don't know many teams that are going to be able to stop Io, and I don't know many teams that are going to be able to match up physically in, on the perimeter with Illinois. So I went with Moses Moody from Arkansas, and here's why. He's averaging – You fell, you gave in, you gave in, you gave in. No, look, I actually – actually, No, I'm just joking. I'm just I, joking. No, no, no. So the, the reference that they make <laughs> for people that, that don't know is that um, when we did the Wire Team Sucks podcast, and and I I posted the uh, the clip of the Arkansas section onto Twitter, and Arkansas fans did not get the joke. They did not yeah. understand the bit. They were like, "Oh, why why do these guys hate Arkansas so much?" Yeah. They did not did not understand the bit at all. Day. Yeah, <laughs> I know they didn't Ooh, understand a bit, and, and and I get it because I kind of didn't articulate my point even at, uh, that much better either. They were livid. Oh, I got it. it was hilarious, but it's not it like we funny. said we, you, we didn't, you we, initiated that you initiated in the very beginning saying this is why your team won't win a championship this year. We all know these teams don't yes. suck because that was that was the thing. Bomb. It was like everyone always talks about why these teams are so great. So we're going to talk about what makes them bad and why they're why they're vulnerable. Oh, and it's look, honestly, it's valuable information if you want, like for when you're filling out a bracket. But Arkansas fans were just like, oh, they're hating. Oh, it's clickbait. First of all. It's I was, tap, in, in 2021, it's tap bait and it's view bait. Like, that's all yeah. we want. And I stand by what I said, especially. Like, everything I said was for a reason. Maybe I didn't articulate it properly, but I could go on about it a little <laughs> bit. Like, it, I was livid at first. I, when I first looked at it, then I was like, wait a minute. This, these people are they're really angry. Let me chill out. And I was like, the, oh. the funniest part about it to me was they were like, we have the biggest – we have like the biggest lineup on Ken Palm. And I'm like, well, yeah, you got some tall guys that sit on your bench. But when it comes down to it in crunch time, you have a six, one dude 
that at the point you got a six two guy on the wing, you got a couple of six six players on that play the three and the four, and you have six seven Justin Smith playing the five. Yeah, that's that how hangs you out and, and they hang out in the two three. He doesn't step up the hedge, and they and that's how they played. And they were like, "Oh, we're we're leading and rebounding the league." And I was like, "Why?" Well, I'm pretty sure I said that I was very down on the SEC this year because the teams that they lost to blasted them on the boards, like blasted them. Even the teams that they played Kentucky and beat Kentucky, and Kentucky blasted them on the boards. They played against Oklahoma State, who is by far small basketball, blasted them on the boards. And then they were like, yeah, we, we averaged the most assists and had the least turnovers. And I was like, yeah, but I look at your assist to turnover ratio in the league, it's 1.2. So like, it's like it's not like you guys are just whipping the ball around, knocking down all these shots. It's you know, you have a really good basketball player. You guys take advantage of the mismatches you have. You do a great job. They're a good team. But I just didn't make up the uh, – <laughs> it's like I didn't make it up. One assist to one turnover is not good passing. It's hey, look, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. Ask. As you as you get further into these content streets, they, you're going you're gonna to realize that fans, like, they, they don't want to hear anything you have to say. Nah, like, especially when you frame it as this is why Arkansas sucks and they don't yeah. want to a bit. Anyway – so Moses Moody, <laughs> averaging 17 points a game for a top 15 team that just finished second in the SEC, and he's going to be a lottery pick, and it feels like nobody talks about him, right? It feels like he's he's barely a part of the conversation. He's mm-hmm. gone for 28 points in each of his last two games. He hit the game-winning shot, well, the go-ahead shot against Texas A&M on Saturday to keep yeah. him from losing that game. So if Arkansas goes on to win the SEC tournament, which, like, it's something that's very possible. Like they're playing the best basketball in that conference right now. Then it, I think it'll be because Moses Moody, Moody goes nuts. And if Moses Moody goes nuts and they win the SEC tournament, then I feel like all of a sudden everyone's going to be like, oh, you know what? This, this guy at Arkansas is pretty good. So that's why I went with him as the uh, the breakout star. I feel like this is going to be when everyone is kind of realizes like just how good that dude is. Because he's really good. I think he's going to play in the NBA as like a 3 and D wing for – 12 to 14 years. Uh, he's very talented. I just, once again, like I, I feel like we talked about with the SEC, it's just like they have a lot of guys that are very talented, but the teams aren't necessarily as great when you go through the entire league. There are probably like three or four teams that are pretty damn good and go to other, like other league, like basically other conferences and play their teams and like hold their own. And then the rest of the conference doesn't. So it was just – you kind of feel like you get boasted numbers when you see some of these guys. But he can definitely go, for sure. Yep. yep. All right. Bold prediction time, then we're going to get out of here. What is your bold prediction for championship week? Kansas versus West Virginia in the Big 12 championship. That's your bold prediction? Mine, mine's yes. kind of similar. I said that two of Gonzaga, Baylor, and Michigan are going to lose during their conference tournament. I also have UConn versus Creighton in the, the, the Big East final. Well, UConn's going to win the Big East tournament, so like, you're not really going out on the line. Ah, so that's a waste. And Michigan UConn, no, no, UConn, UConn can't play Creighton because they're, they're the two and the three seed. I thought they were on opposites. No. I thought Creighton was with uh, – what's the name? With uh, Villanova. No, no, no. Creighton, yeah, Creighton, Creighton's a two and a three seed. Oh, but, so never I mean, you should have just gone with UConn winning the, winning the Big East tournament because mm-hmm. that's what's going to happen. I'll stick, with, I'll stick with my Kansas versus West Virginia Big 12 championship. I got a feeling uh, – Baylor might just like take it easy. I, I like I like how it's, it's like yeah, make a bold prediction. You're like, yeah, my Mountaineers are gonna win, and I'm like, yeah, my Huskies are gonna win. That's like, <laughs> so bold. Really going, <laughs> really going out on a limb, dude. Going out on a limb there. Really going gotta, out on a limb. Hey, gotta go what you, you gotta go what you trust, man. You gotta go with what you know. So. <laughs> exactly. All right, man. Well, listen, this was fun. Uh, nice. Everybody, we will see you again Thursday night for the beers and ball live stream. We'll find something fun to do with that. I, I, we got to figure out a bit to do with that one. Yeah, maybe we'll get more. Maybe, maybe <laughs> some Arkansas fans on the podcast to tell us about how much they watch their team play. Until then, you guys have a great one.